calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Buffy and Frodo were in the Hogwarts library late into the night, prepping for the final trek into Mordor. Liz, I have to stop you. Why? Because this already sounds like the greatest story of all time. World Stealers! Here on World Stealers, we like to pick a random fandom and genre. And then we use those picks to write and perform original fanfiction. We also like to share a little bit about our writing process for all of you aspiring fanfiction writers out there. In this episode, we're going to pick a new fandom, and Kate will be performing her fanfic. Hi, Liz. Hi, Kate. Are you ready for another round of episodes of amazing original fanfiction by us? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so ready for to, to hear myself talk mm-hmm. about something that I've written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a show of pure ego. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't care yeah. if anyone listens. No. <laughs> I have been thinking, I think about that when I edit it. It makes me smile and I, I'm, I'm happy to add weird things in there that I don't think anybody gets and I don't care. Uh, my but, parents but, both listen and I don't think they understand a goddamn word. <laughs> but they listen to support you. They do. they love you. Yeah, and I love them. Yeah. But I do want to say for um, Tim and Sue and then also the rest of our listeners, we appreciate you. We do. I don't want you to feel like we don't care no, about you. No, we love you. We just love ourselves more. Right. But we, And we also know that you're like not uh, you're you're like a small little army. So yeah. we're not expecting a lot out of you. Listen, tiny we, army. We, we love you. We love you. We appreciate your loyalty. Um, we don't need a big, we don't need to amass a big army. No. Our egos are big enough. But if we did amass a big army, that'd be cool too. So tell your friends. Yeah. Then we could like storm on um Sauron or whatever. How's that go? Sauron? You're better at this than yeah. me. Yeah. That's okay. Mordor. We're gonna march on Mordor. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I needed that. I but it's fine. It's okay. I, I'm gonna you know have what? to do this season. This season, I'm you're gonna, gonna have, have to, to get there. I'm gonna have to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh speaking of which. Oh, are we gonna are we gonna pick some fandoms? Are we gonna are we going to decide on what we're going to write? Maybe. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Because we've expanded uh, I, this season. We've, we've, we've got more franchises. Uh-huh. We've got more fan fiction categories. Uh-huh. We've got guests. Sure do. Uh, it just, it's never ending. Okay. So for this season. This season. Um, we're going to be doing. So we've got a Star Trek. Lord of the Rings. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Pokemon. X-Men. And X-Files. Whoa! 
I almost went do 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 do, but that's a Twilight Zone. That's a Twilight Zone. It's the X Files song. But we could do a Twilight Zone. <laughs> we could, you know what, season three. Let's add it on. Add it on to the never ending. <laughs> Put it in the hat. Can you give me some um some paper noise? Yeah, I want the listeners to know that we're actually picking. Oh, got real it. Okay, paper. so I'm gonna crinkle this paper. Right. Thank Here you. we go. <laughs> it's just it's a small piece of paper. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. That was okay, exactly what I was looking for. And. Star, Star Trek. Trek. Oh, the expanse of this universe. It's so big. It's massive. And on it, I mean, it arguably is our universe. Just future. Right. Right. Like, you know, like in what is it? The third Star Trek, you go back in time to San Francisco to save the whales. Oh, my God. I don't know. You don't know this. As of the beginning of this research. Yeah. I've never watched an episode of Star Trek in my life. Oh. I have watched the new movies, the J.J. Abrams movies. Those are good. They are good. Yeah. Do you want to pick the genre? I do. Oh, my okay. God. Here we I go. I do. Okay, hang on. I want to get my own my own noise going. Oh, hear that crinkle, guys? That's for real. That's how you know it's real. You know it's real. Ooh. Ooh. Curtain fic. Curtain fic. Now, let's explain what a curtain fic now, is. Yes, curtain fic, for those of you who are not familiar with the very intense, very serious fan fiction categories. A curtain fic it describes romantic couples in mundane domestic situations, such as picking out curtains. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have like a high drama series like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or like the Avengers, sure. where you have romantic couples that are constantly putting in these dramatic situations and you're like, but I never get to appreciate them just doing something mundane and loving themselves. Whether that be romantic, I say interpretively romantic friends, you know, like platonic best friendship, obviously fam mm-hmm. or... um like a true romance, right? Like Hulk and Black Widow right. doing a curtain fic. But in this case, we're talking about Star Trek. We are. And you know what? Mm. That's a tough one because there's not that much true romance, romance from what I understand. So really, so we'd have to apply for the former, which is the whole like platonic friends, fam situation. Or, you know what? It's a fanfic. We can make us some romance. Or you know what? We can ship. You know what shipping is, right? Oh, I I hope they know what shipping is, but if not, can you provide, can you oh, give yes. me your understanding of what so shipping is? So my understanding of shipping is when fandoms really start to root for a romance between a particular couple. Now, it might be that this couple actually has mm-hmm. romantic inclinations, mm-hmm. or it might be that they don't, but people just really want to see that shit together. Okay. All right. So back to what we're sure. Oh my God. Sorry. Oh, we, <laughs> we get distracted. What? <laughs> army. Tiny army. Tiny Listen. army. Sometimes we get distracted. If you didn't like us getting distracted, you wouldn't be here, Tiny Army. Tiny Army, we love you. We love you so much. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm so sorry about that thing I said where I said I didn't need you. I need you so much, Tiny Army. She needs you. Rate and review. Leave your fanfiction. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Um, Okay, so you're saying potentially shipping someone in the Star Trek, but who's Star Trek? Which are you doing? Voyager, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, the original series... I have to go and do a lot of watching. Girl, I have so much, so much to do. I think- So much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets, Kate? <laughs> Sorry. Why? Um, it makes me want to sing, but I can't remember the rest of it. You never know if you don't go. You'll never shine <laughs> if you don't glow. <laughs> I 
start with Star Trek. Truly the show that launched a thousand versions of that show, Star Trek beamed its way into the zeitgeist in the 1960s and has never left. So far, there have been six live action series, an animated series, several more series in production, 13 movies, countless novelizations, and don't worry, nerds, there's more. Basically, if it exists as a form of media, there's a Star Trek version of it. At its core, the show follows the crew of various ships in Starfleet, the space exploration slash diplomatic branch of the United Federation of Planets. But Star Trek was always intended to be a show that tackled difficult cultural and societal issues. In fact, its creator, Gene Roddenberry, thought that by using, and I quote, a new world with new rules, I could make statements about sex, religion, Vietnam, politics, and intercontinental missiles kind of dated there, Gene Roddenberry, but we get what you were saying. Indeed, we did make them on Star Trek. We were sending messages, and fortunately, they all got by the network. Fun fact, Star Trek's original series was the first interracial on-screen kiss. Talk about setting your phasers to stun. For everything, there is a first time, Lieutenant. We're here. Here we go. Oh, we've arrived. Oh, hello. hello. So I'm excited to read my story, but I have some good news and I have some bad news. Go on. Good news is it is 4,100 words. Excellent. <laughs> the bad news is I did not proofread it. Also excellent. But I think it's going to be a good time. I based my story in Star Trek Next Generation. Yes. Um, and there's really nothing you need to know about it except for just the basic kind of campiness, proceduralness of what a Star Trek Next Generation episode is like. Cool. So I watched like one episode of Star Trek Next Generation. So okay. I have like my baseline knowledge of this is like starting Ooh. at zero. Okay. Well, I'll give you a rundown of the characters that appear in this episode and we'll just kind of, cool. that would be best. I can so. know a couple of them. So the main characters are Worf and Data. Do you know who they are? I do. So Worf is the uh, Klingon, right? Yes. Or half Klingon. Mm -hmm. And then Data's an android? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Um, and then we have, um, of course, Picard. Yes. Makes a small appearance. Excellent. Deanna Troy. Not familiar. Okay. Deanna Troy is like the lead counsel on the Enterprise. And she basically- like a lawyer? Sort of. She's kind of like, I find her to just be like a diplomat in most situations. Okay. That makes sense. And she's also um, this race of people known as Betazoids, which are empathic so, and slightly psychic. Can I just say, whoever named Betazoids was like, what's two sciencey words? Beta. Beta. Zoid? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Some of the sci-fi words in Star Trek are a little bit like you just mash things together. It's sort of like if you when you have those like what's your Wu Tang clan name? Mm, like name, yes, generators? name generator. That's what it sounds like. Like what's your what's your Star Trek species? Um let's see who else is in it. Uh Wesley Crusher. Sounds strong. Will Wheaton? 
Oh, Will Wheaton. Yeah. Yes. So he's like a young guy, Wesley Crusher. And then uh, Jordy LaForge. He is the guy with the visor. Zoop. LeVar Burton. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. Reading Rainbow. And then also Commander Riker is in this. Don't know. He's the like Spock of the Enterprise. He's the second in command. Okay, cool. Riker is like the bones to Picard's gym. Okay, sort of. First mate slash emotional support. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Also, you should know that Riker and Deanna, I think get married at the end of the season, but they oh. have, or the end of the series, but they have a bit of a love. Oh, that's I don't remember. I haven't seen all of it in a long time. But anyway. You know, I love a sci-fi love. Uh, I think those are all the people that appear. Oh, and then of course, Guinan. Oh, who well, yes. is Whoopi Goldberg. Obviously. Who is the ship's bartender, essentially. <sighs> I just like that she's yeah she's also like very very old and has a lot of sage advice after you know all that really the rest of this just flows boom boom sauce boom shakalaka i feel very up to date okay i apologize to any of tiny army that already know all that stuff about star trek you guys are no they need a refresher yeah you know what everybody can use a refresher yeah of course also the way i explained it is probably much different than the way it's been explained to them in the past (laughs) and or the way it actually appears in the show (laughs) true Oh, very true. I titled my story like I tend to do. It's not super revealing as to what it's about. Uh, the name of my fan fiction is Separated Vows. This sounds like a love story to me. Okay. You ready? Yes. Ten Forward was bathed in its normal diffusive blue light, the stars carrying little in through the expansive windows, but most of the light emitting from the ship itself. A sliver of blue sat at the rim of one windows, which was the glare off of the planet Krula 3, its sun a supergiant billions of miles away, but giving off so much light, the Enterprise purposefully positioned itself on the dark side of Krula 3, as not to blind its passengers. The lounge was packed with visitors, all buzzing with energy for upcoming events and the possible changes that would bring to their cultures and the way of life on Krula 3. It is certainly inconvenient that Commander Troy is unavailable for this assignment, as she is more suited for the task. I understand that in times like these, it is customary to say, I hope she feels better, although neither hope or feeling are, yes, Dad. (laughs) Is that your warp? Yes. (laughs) We are not the best choice to plan a wedding. (laughs) Oh, I'm just, I'm just so happy that this is what's happening in the story. (laughs) Lieutenant Commander Worf was sitting upright and at attention next to Data, both of them examining a layout of strange schematics on the hollow table in front of them. And I'd like to spend some time training my son with his battleith before the ceremony tonight. Shall we continue with the seating chart then? <laughs> He's a main character. You're going to have to get used to this. I'm so, I never will. I will always keep laughing. <laughs> Data snapped his head down to the table swiping through a cascade of numbers and saying, I've calculated the likelihood for disagreement and confrontation based on the guest's culture, position in society, and origin of birth on Perula Three. Being that this is a political marriage between the warring cultures of Vulga and Tassa, I see best results in placing the most peaceful in a diverse location and the most belligerent among their associates. Worf grunted. At my own wedding, my uncles nearly beheaded my (laughs) father-in-law. He let out a deep chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) The guests were all very pleased with the display of my family's prowess. 
Neither Vegul nor Tassa require a showing of violence at a matrimonial ceremony, but instead an offering of feast to their shared deity, Lusa, which we will have their traditional statue of in order to properly... Right. Well, perhaps a fight among warring cultures is not the best idea. Then the chart has not been completed. Warfast. No, Lieutenant. It seems that we have 15 outstanding cases of guests that cannot be placed in any of the 1,507,345,206 possible arrangements. Data pulled up a much smaller list to show Worf this problem definitively. Can't we just put them in the back? Uninvite them? Keep them in the brig? Worf said. Data cocked his head in confusion. Temporarily, I mean, just to monitor them. The Federation was tasked with this ceremony and this list exactly in order to manage the ceremony diplomatically and further peace on Prula 3. So I deduce that, in fact, we cannot. Worf began running his hand over his baldric, the belt that normally holstered his own battleith, and grunted again in frustration. So Worf is head of security. I don't know if you got this. Makes sense. Okay, okay, okay. I also just really like, I feel like, I don't know if you intended this, but I feel like it was a little passive aggressive when Worf was like, so it's not done. <laughs> Which is so on point for two people planning a wedding. Yeah. I thought seating was your job. It's, I mean, they're trying to work together. I'll, you know, I have to say about Worf, he, be, even though he's an angry Klingon and he often like is very cruel to his son, which is a whole other thing that we don't have to get into. He is like a very nice man. Oh, Klingon culture is super matriarchal. And so like Worf treats pretty much everyone with equanimity. Like he's a pretty cool dude. Data, most annoying motherfucker of all time. Yeah. As you can tell. He seems irritating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's just, he's an android. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. Lieutenant Commander Jordi LaForge was bent over a display in engineering with one hand on the console and the other adjusting his visor. Ensign Wesley Crusher sauntered in. Wesley, thank you for coming. I've detected a gravitational anomaly very close to the ship, and I need you to help me run the analysis. Lieutenant Commander LaForge motioned to the console. Yeah, sure, Jordy. I'd love to. And anyway, it gets me out of wedding duty, said Wesley, sitting down in front of the console. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be managing that right now. I overheard some of the guests when they came in down at the transporter. Jordy shook his head. I wouldn't want to be stuck between those two families. Captain Ryder walked in briskly to engineering and said, Have we tracked down the source of the anomaly, Jordy? Actually, it looks like it might be near the cargo hold. I thought it was near the ship, not on it, Wesley said, not taking his eyes off the console. Damn, this will throw off my readings even more against our own gravity plating. Jordy took out a tricorder and began quickly reconfiguring the settings. Jordy, I was just down in cargo, checking on the minerals meant to be traded after the wedding. Everything seemed all right. Is this a danger to the ship? Riker spoke in low tones, concerned by Jordy's rush behavior. I don't know, Captain. Jordy turned to Wesley. Ensign Crusher, will you run down to cargo with this? He handed him the tricorder and transmit the atmospheric signals to engineering. Wesley jumped up. Of course, Jordy, and rushed away. A few minutes later, Jordy and Riker were still crouched over the console, awaiting Wesley's findings. Wesley was walking up and down the corridor in front of the cargo bay holding, ignoring passengers and Starfleet passing by. And not looking, he bumped into Captain Riker, who grabbed Wesley's shoulders to steady him. 
lost in work, are you? Riker looked at Wesley and said, You should head up to engineering. I think Jordy may need some help with a reading we received earlier. Then walked past him down the hall. Wesley immediately paged Lieutenant LaForge directly. Jordy, I, I don't know where the anomaly is, but uh, I think I know what it's doing. Is Captain Riker still there? Yes, I'm in engineering. Riker's voice rang out over Wesley's communicator. Uh-oh. <laughs> I thought I was confused, but I wasn't. I was just <laughs> two of them. Yes. <laughs> How about blue and green? That is the color of Prula 3. Worf suggested. Blue is the color of death to the vagal, and alternatively, the color of birth to the toss-up. Neither events seem to apply here, Data responded, running through thousands of color swatches on the hollow table. All right. Red, then. Red is a great color. (laughs) (laughs) I love Worf so much. Worf raised his fist pridefully, squeezing in his idea. The color of blood, which runs through all of us. Actually, the Tassa believe their blood is transparent. It turns red when Worf growled and brought his fist to his side. For the love of Kortar, there are millions of colors. Can you just randomly select a few colors that have no significance to either culture? <laughs> Data rushed through the swatches again. Yes, here are three. Hex zero zero. Data, those are all shades of black. And none of them have any significance to either culture. <laughs> Wesley ran through the corridor, following the path of Captain Riker, who he had ran into near the cargo bay. Captain, Captain! Riker turned around. Yes, Wesley? Uh, um, I need to talk to you about the anomaly. Can we go somewhere private? I don't want to... Wesley glanced at an officer passing by them. Yes, of course, this way. Riker led them both to an empty barrack, opening the door and motioning for Wesley to enter first. No, uh, after you, Captain. Riker looked at him, confused. Wesley, is everything all right? Wesley looked over Riker's shoulder to see Captain Riker, another Captain Riker, walking towards them. Wesley raised his phaser at Riker. I'm sorry, Captain. Wesley hit stun, sending Captain Riker backwards into the room, where Wesley quickly shut the door and overrode the entry code on the side panel, locking Riker in while he stood outside in the hallway. He paged Jordy. Jordy, I need you to come down. It seems the gravitational anomaly has created a time ripple, and well... Wesley looked up just as Captain Riker walked up to him. Have you figured it out? Riker asked. Yep, yep, sure have. No problem, Captain. Wesley smiled nervously. All right then, Ensign Crusher. I'll see you at the wedding this evening. Riker walked away. Jordy, just get down here. (laughs) Commander Deanna Troy was weighed down with the pain of emotion. (laughs) So many of Great sentence. (laughs) So many of them coming in and out of her betazoid brain, plaguing her with all their needs and wavering feelings. Ever since the day before, she had come down with an immeasurable headache, caused by what she could only decide was the intrusions of perhaps overly sensitive Prula 3 natives on board. She was used to hostile feelings and managing the feelings of thousands of passengers on the Enterprise around her at once, but this felt like double the work, leaving her almost handicapped. As she was laying in her dorm, trying to isolate herself from the incessant need circulating on the ship, she felt the pang of something familiar and acute. She jumped up, recognizing the source and leaping into action, leaving her dorm, hands holding the side of her head, but determined to find the voice that was calling to her. Uh-oh. <laughs> 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 
flowers. Worf crossed his arms. Lieutenant Worf, I read by your body language that you do not agree with me on this choice of flower setting. Do you have another idea that would improve them? A huge projection of wilting fat bulbs was rotating in front of Data, who looked through it to Worf's expression. No, I just find flowers in general ridiculous. And these in particular are hideous. But I understand that they are important to the people of Vegul. Worf settled his face to be more sympathetic. It was a mission of statesmanship, after all. <laughs> no, these flowers are indigenous to Prula Three and pervasive. Apparently, they shoot nectar at any passerby, consume insects, and smell terrible. Data leaned back from the projection, which began to display the fat bulbs of the plant swinging around and trying to shoot goop in his direction. But it was only a holograph, so it disintegrated. Then why would we want these at the wedding? Wolf raised his hands in question. All this pomp and decoration is absurd. Matrimony is about two people vowing themselves to each other, becoming a team so they can battle the world together. A Klingon ceremony is small and short for this reason. These cultures won't need to work together until they get back to Prula Three anyway. In my findings and analysis of almost all known wedding practices, I do find it inefficient to focus energy on a single day of ceremony, when in fact, the actionable parts of marriage involve the expanse of one's lifetime. Data looked away as if accessing something in his circuits to complete the idea. I have also found the ceremony to be obsolete in its power as a contract, as often many marriages are easily disbanded. I cannot help but infer that weddings themselves, and so marriage, is an expression of fantasy with no true tangible use. They're both right. <laughs> Who knew that planning a wedding could be so deep? Yeah. I feel like we've really gotten to the heart of what marriage is in this fanfiction. <laughs> uh, okay. It's about battling the world together and also it's an obsolete institution. <laughs> um, okay. This part I think you're really going to love. So okay. get ready. I'm so ready. You are missing the importance of fantasy to most culture. Gainan's voice came in from behind them. She was sitting at a booth, enjoying a drink and overhearing their struggle to plan. She turned to face them. Their marriage is only a contract, and two people agreeing on a fantasy to keep it alive. Much like the Vekul and the Tassa need to agree on peace to keep both cultures alive. She's right, too. <laughs> They're all right. Uh... Data was silent for a moment. I will need to change the weight of my calculation on humanoid fantasy. <laughs> Perhaps. Wolf brought his hand to his large chin. There is something that the Vegul and the Tassa share between them. Something that may help them remain respectful during the ceremony. They share millions of physical and historical attributes, said Data. Yes, and they share a physical place. Worf finished his thought and stood up, adjusting his uniform. Come on, Data. I have our solution. <laughs> Deanna ran directly into Captain Picard, who caught her as she stumbled. Commander Troy, what's the matter? <laughs> Picard said, looking flustered. It's Will. He's in trouble. Hurt, maybe. On Will is Will Riker. I'm going to do it again. Not, not Will Wheaton. No, not Will Wheaton. <laughs> It's Will. He's in trouble. Hurt, maybe. She said, straining to speak. 
Yes, he's been paging me from the tenth deck. Apparently, Ensign Wesley has stunned him and trapped him. Come, I'm headed there now. He scooped her up by the elbow, helping her along the corridor urgently. Outside the barrack door, Wesley was panicked, pacing in front of it, pretending to those walking by that the pounding of the door was an equipment problem that he was taking care of. Commander LaForge ran up to him. Wesley, what's going... A rapid pounding hit the door behind Wesley, startling both of them. There's two Rikers. I think the time ripple must have caused a tear in the continuum. And since Riker was in the cargo area, then... That's where the ripple started, Wesley finished for his friend. <laughs> they bound. They're cute together. Uh, <laughs> little dorks. Yeah, they are. Jordy took Wesley's tricorder and linked it to his visor and then said, Stay here and make sure that the two Rikers don't see each other because that would mean... I know, Jordy. I know, Wesley said, panicked. I mean, we all learned we, that from Dumbledore about a time turner, you know? We all know, yes. You can't let yourself see yourself. No. Jordy sped off towards the cargo bay area, passing Deanna and Captain Picard, who were rushing in the opposite direction. When they reached Wesley, he backed into the door behind him, eyes wide in worry. Crusher, what exactly is going on here? The holodeck was deactivated, the grid lining the space, but full of small tables holding replicated hors d'oeuvres, or divorce. Or d'oeuvres. Stupid. <laughs> um, the holodeck was deactivated, but full of small tables holding replicated hors d'oeuvres and sparkling drinks. Worf was dragging small box, but straining under the weight of it. This statue must be made of ditronian lead, he said through gritted teeth. Data was mapping out the space for where a clearing would appear in the holodeck, coordinating the best place for both families to stand. Just as Worf opened the box, revealing a small metal statue of an eight-legged furry animal, teeth bared and holding a bulb of the stinky flower in each paw, Jordy ran in through the sliding holodeck doors, breathing heavy. Worf stood up straight and turned to greet Jordy, surprised. Lieutenant LaForge, did you run up here to help us out? Because we've already loaded everything in, you see, and that... Jordy pointed to the statue, catching his breath. That statue, he breathed in. It's got... He breathed in again, holding his chest. Heavy metal, and... He walked towards it, heaving in. The gravity place, and this heavy... Yes, Lieutenant Worf was just mentioning its weight, said Data, walking towards his shipmates. Jordy pulled out his tricorder and unholstered his phaser. He began working between them frantically. Jordy, you cannot destroy that statue. It is ancient. To the people of... Jordy turned on the phaser, and a flash of light emitted briefly from the statue. Statue, temporarily blinding the men and android in the room. When they looked again, the statue remained untouched. What was that? said Worf, who already had his hand on his own phaser. As your commanding officer, Crusher, I demand that you open that door and let your superior officer out of it right <laughs> now, demanded Picard. Wait. Deanna put a hand on Captain Picard's arm. It's gone. They're all gone. What is it, Deanna? Said Picard. Wesley, I found it and combined the element with the air molecule so it's significantly less dense and should be inert. Jordy's voice came from Wesley's communicator. Wesley slowly moved to the side panel at the door and pressed a few buttons. The door slid open. In the room, the bed and furniture had been overturned and stacked against the wall, leading to a vent shaft that looked as if someone had been trying to pry it open, but didn't succeed. There was no one anywhere in the room. Picard walked inside, took a lap, then looked at Wesley. You have some explaining to do here. But it also seems that this was part of an effort with Geordie, so I imagine it was for the good of the Enterprise. <laughs> Captain, 
Everyone seems fine, elated even. I think, well, I'm not sure, but my headache and the feeling from Commander Riker is gone. Wesley smiled and looked between the two officers. Um, well, things were getting a little, uh, heavy, I guess you could say. <laughs> there it is. There's the pun. <laughs> We are so honored to be able to witness this monumentous binding between our cultures. And what better place than our sacred forest, surrounded by the vegetation that feeds us, protects us, and torments us. The crowd laughed at the orator, acknowledging the inside joke that only the people of Prula 3 would understand. And Worf and Data, although Data had yet to learn to laugh without making others uncomfortable. Later on, as they all shared a meal, happy to see that so far all the guests were getting along. Wesley, Jordy, Worf, Deanna, Riker, and Data all stood around the statue of the petite animal with Captain Picard, admiring it and looking over the incredible feast laid out in front of it. I have to say, Commander Worf and Data, you did a phenomenal job at this assignment. I didn't think we'd be able to have such a joyous ceremony. Well done. Picard raised a glass to his crew. And Wesley and Commander LaForge for acting so swiftly and for managing to not destroy this little deity despite its trouble. The crew nodded and smiled, happy to be acknowledged and together. I do say, weddings always seem to bring out many sides of us, don't they? <laughs> the end. Uh, <laughs> that was- okay, first of all, I just want to say... For the assignment being read at Curtain Pick, you wrote a Curtain Pick that was happening alongside a like <laughs> fully fleshed out episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Which is super impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of happened. I didn't mean for it. But I was just, I don't know. I started writing the wedding planning part. And then I was like, this feels like an A plot. Where's my B plot? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have that B plot. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I might have to go watch some uh some Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, he also is the best character well, of he just, all. Like, I I don't know. I would watch Patrick Stewart take a shit. Like, he just... Yeah, he's great. As long as he was talking while he did it. Right, of course. Oh, what a voice. <laughs> what an actor. What a man. I just love that clip of him online where he's like, oh, you thought I was asleep. <laughs> Acting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tiny Army, if you want to follow us in any places where you want to like see our faces or find our stories, you can do that on Instagram and Twitter at WorldStealers, or you can email us at WorldStealersPod at gmail.com. Yeah, you can also, if you would like and you're feeling generous and you want to show us how much you love us, because we love you, uh, first of all, please tell your friends. Oh my Share God, this yes. podcast with your friends. Tell them. Tell them how amazing we are. And... Uh, if you could rate and review us on iTunes, even if iTunes isn't your primary source of listening to podcasts. Yeah, it's just really helpful for discovery. Yeah, those ratings and reviews help people find us. And yeah. then the tiny army grows. Yeah. It'll never stop being tiny, though. Yeah. And bonus, if you leave us a review and you ask us to write you a little fic and tell us what kind of fic you want. You know we're going to. We'll write you a mini fic and of then we'll course. have a special, a very special episode on a very special episode of World Stealers. We'll read your fics about you. Yeah. And if you want to read the fan fictions that we've done or the ones from season one, you can do that um, at on Wattpad, the, and that's at WorldStealers, mm-hmm. or fanfiction.net, username 
world stealers or um, archive of our own world stealers. That's right. And all of our work is there. Um, and what should be our outro for this season, Liz? Fan fiction, the final frontier. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with the finger and a thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Yeah. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. coming.